0: Well, good morning, grace and peace to you this fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, Welcome to you as well as if you're you're a visitor here this morning, we're glad you're here. Uh, If you're joining us through live stream, we're also glad that you're here. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 16, uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 453 or you can find it in your bulletin. Uh, This is a part of a series that will continue in the weeks to come. um, A series that we're looking at uh, struggles and heartache that that the Lord addresses in His Word. And uh, so this morning we're looking at Psalm 16. We're seeing how the Lord cares for His people, how the Lord provides in the midst of the feeling of being alone. We all know that feeling of being alone. It's a human experience. It's a feeling the Lord is aware of as well. Uh, From the beginning, when he created Adam, he said there was something not good about what he had made. There was something lacking. Loneliness is that experience of feeling disconnected. It's feeling unknown feeling isolated. And because it's a human experience we all know, and in its experience we know the Lord knows, the Lord acts to address loneliness. His desire is for you to know that you belong, ultimately that you belong to Him. So if you're here for the first time this morning Let me encourage you to know that the Lord God who made you, loves you, is mindful of you, cares about you. And if you're a little theologian here and your parents permit you to draw, uh, let me encourage you to consider drawing a picture of a beautiful river, sparkling, with a tree that stretches all around on both sides of that river. And people around that tree from every nation of the world who are healed and who are together. Let's hear God's word from Psalm 16. A miktam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Refuge. And my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your word today and we ask that you would give us eyes to see you. To see your character, your goodness, your grace, your love for us on display. Lord, we too, like David, seek your counsel knowing that you are our, turn our deepest mournings, our deepest longings of our hearts into dancing and joy in you. So would you make our hearts glad from your word? Would you help us to rejoice in you as we seek to live under your lordship? Lead us, guide our hearts and minds, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, where do you seek refuge when you feel all alone? We can feel very alone in our world right now. Loneliness is all around us. I was reading an article recently from the US Department of Health and Human Services back in 2019, so pre-COVID. It described loneliness in our nation, that it has become an epidemic. Before COVID, our government considered loneliness an epidemic. And if it was an epidemic before COVID, it's only intensified over the last two years. Quarantine, masks, questions over vaccines. Today, we can feel very alone. And what studies have found is the effects of loneliness you know, people who've studied the insights into our emotions and to our bodies, sustained loneliness, it breaks down our health. It creates greater forms of anxiety and, and depression. It leads to physical health problems. Stress dramatically increases. And we live in an age of technology, as you all know. Uh, Social media telling us uh, that we have hundreds of friends or followers makes it look like we're connected, Uh, but studies have actually shown that spending more than 30 minutes a day on social media can dramatically increase feelings of anxiety and isolation, disconnection, Jeremy Gaines and I were talking even last week and he was sharing that image, that sad image of of people being around and just focusing not on each other but on their phones, uh, sitting next to each other and yet worlds apart. And even despite these last few years and the technology and and the culture around us, we can feel very isolated all on our own. Even married I've heard marriages in the last few weeks, I've sat down with couples in this church who've shared that they feel like ships passing, passing each other at night. Again, worlds apart. I've heard stories from some of you of of your jobs that take you far away at times when you want so dearly to be near your family. I've heard the stories of those of you who are parents running from child to child, longing to have a conversation with an adult, and caregivers, and the care for their loved one consumes their time. Hard to make friendships those feelings of isolation, they're even more heightened perhaps even in this season of Advent. It's a time when we're supposed to feel more connected, but it's perhaps a time when we actually feel loneliness more acutely more than any other time in the year. Sometimes it's just because of how busy we are running from one event and activity to the next, not really taking the time to spend with one another and so we're more present, and yet we're more distant. And loneliness can be hard to talk about. It's one of those topics that, that, that's difficult because it's risky. And so I don't, I don't like to share that I'm feeling lonely. And so sometimes we fill our schedules to be busy so that we won't slow down enough to feel the effects of loneliness on our hearts. Your loneliness may even make you feel distant from God. Your sins might make you wonder, does God love me when again and again I fail him? When again and again I wonder, does he care about my life? Will he still preserve me? Where do you seek refuge when you feel all alone? Well, in this Psalm, David tells us that there is a place to find refuge. And if we seek refuge in places like our jobs or in our families, if we pursue a good book or a movie to identify, to belong to a a fictional character, we will not find lasting refuge. The only place we find refuge From the feelings of loneliness, from the burdens and stresses of this world is in the Lord God. David tells us that in our deepest and greatest needs we must turn to the Lord because we who put our faith in him belong to him. Let's look at these opening verses. Look with me in verses 1 and 2. This is how he begins. He begins with this cry, this, this prayer. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Now, we don't know the context for this psalm. Uh, we don't know what David was struggling with that, that made him, uh, compel him to write this And in some ways, it doesn't matter because regardless of the circumstances, perhaps even in a season when things seem outwardly that they're going so well, David knows he needs to go to a refuge. He knows that the place of real lasting joy, of lasting connection is found in the Lord. And so he cries out, he cries out with this word, persevere me. Keep me, guard me, protect me. He's crying. And he could have turned to many different refuges. He has friends, he has his mighty men, he has physical caves that he's hidden before, but he knows the only place that he'll find real refuge is the Lord. And by fixating himself, by turning his heart to the Lord in this moment and in this time of, of wearying loneliness, perhaps, in David's life. It changes his whole disposition, his whole outlook on life. What he says in verse 2, as he he contemplates the Lord preserving him, he goes to the next verse in verse 2 to say, you are my Lord. He, He declares this covenantal relationship that he has with God, that God is with him and for him, that God has bound him to himself. And his attitude and outlook change when he realizes it's the Lord's initiative, the Lord's grace who pursues him in his darkest times, who loves him when he's consumed by feelings of of being lost or isolated, being alone. It causes David to confess that all that is good and right with him, with the world around, ultimately is because of the Lord's faithfulness, ultimately because he belongs to the Lord. And that's true for us. In the midst of our great lonely seasons and struggles, in the midst of our needs, whether they're tangible needs around us or the emotions of our hearts, we turn to the Lord first to orient our hearts towards Him, to know that His disposition is one of love and belonging. Because we ultimately see that in the coming of Jesus. This Advent season, that's that's what we're celebrating. That's what we're remembering is the coming of the Lord who changes everything about our lives and who fixes our dispositions away from our internal struggles and puts our eyes upon something that will last forever. Because we belong to the Lord... He gives us three things in this psalm to hold fast to, to see how we belong to him, the the fruit, the benefits of belonging to Jesus. You can see in in the outline that's in the the page on, on sermon notes, you can see three areas. And there's more, but these three we're holding fast to ourselves this morning. A delight in his people, a beautiful inheritance, and a complete connection. Let's examine those. A delight in his people. Uh, If you're in the text, look again in verse 3 and 4. David describes this in these two verses. He says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. And then he compares them, he contrasts them. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply, multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. As David contemplates and dwells on what it means to belong to the Lord, his eyes move to the ways God has worked to bringing him to be a part of something larger than himself, to be a part of his covenantal people. But he can't see it, perhaps, on his own. He can't understand the blessing of it until he understands and his outlook focuses on this covenantal relationship with the Lord. Sometimes we can't see the joy and blessing of being a part of God's covenant to people until we see the joy and blessing of belonging to the Lord. C.S. Lewis wrote a letter, and he, he, he put it this way when describing his uh, love for his wife, which he describes as the dearest uh, in this letter. He says, when I, have, when I have learned to love God better than my dearest wife, My earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God, and instead of God, I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. See, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that when God is first, when he's the foremost delight and refuge in our hearts, we actually learn to love those around us more deeply. And David is experiencing this. His refuge isn't in his friends or in the saints around him until his eyes are fixated on the Lord. But then he causes him to see Those around him who also trust and belong to the Lord, he sees them as saints in the land. And again, as I mentioned, there's a a contrast that he draws between those who who belong to the Lord and those who are seeking after false gods. David describes those who belong to the Lord as saints, as holy ones set apart and just as he's confessed that there's no good apart from the Lord, we, when we ask the question, what makes these people holy? Their holiness is because they belong to the Lord. They've been set aside by him. Now, David doesn't go on to describe their actions in the world. He, he actually describes them as excellent ones. And that word, it actually refers to splendor or majestic or, or those who shine out. They stand out. Again, how do they stand out? They stand out not by a super spirituality, but by a holiness that comes from their relationship, their trust in the Lord. And it puts them in contrast to those who seek after false gods. The contrast of others outside of of God's covenant community of faith. It shows they've become so desperate. David's reflecting how desperate they've become that they've poured out blood, either theirs or someone else's, in a vain attempt to either appease a false god or find refuge in something. It actually causes David to... To pity them, to look into their, their, their lives and say, he'll have nothing to do with them, because by their own best attempts, it leads to sorrow upon sorrow. Rosaria Butterfield was interviewed after she wrote her book on hospitality, on reaching and encouraging the belonging of others. And when asked if she saw the role of the church in the light of the culture of loneliness, she said, Absolutely. Desperate people make idols. And those who belong to the Lord, we are not desperate ones. Even in the darkest of places, we are the beloved ones, we're the family. That God has brought us into. And our holiness isn't derived by ourselves, from ourselves. It's derived by a God to whom we belong, a God who is our Lord, a God who cares about our lives and shows us grace and mercy. One of the greatest ways we can show the holiness of God is by showing how great He is and how great of a Savior we need in the face of our brokenness, our loneliness, our pain and sorrows. See, the church family is to share burdens with one another, to be honest and open about our condition Which is desperate apart from God. Church family, we are called not to live in isolation. We are called to be part of each other's lives. We need one another, we need the story of of God's faithfulness. We need to share in each other's lives. A simple application of that. Come tonight. (laughs) Come hear the choir sing. Come be a part of the covenant community right after church. Come meet Ryan Hamilton. Spend time getting to know people you don't know. Enjoy fellowship. Be present with one another. And we need to find ways as a family, to bear one another's burdens has happened so frequently in the midst of our church, sharing in our griefs, sharing in our heartaches. We are learning to love who God has brought in our midst. Sometimes the Lord places us us in, in messy relationships But also know these are not to confound us. They're actually to show us in our hearts self-reliance. Ways we need to be confronted in our own needs with grace and mercy. If we're honest, uh, it might drive us to be aware of our own struggles when we're in a hard situation with someone else. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when reflecting on, on the community of saints, wrote... When God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with our brothers. When we received forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive our brothers. What God did to us, we then owed to others. The more we received, the more we were able to give, and the more meager our brotherly love, the less we were living out God's mercy and love. Those who belong to the Lord will never truly be alone because God has established a family for those he loves. Second, David continues to describe his great confidence that he belongs to the Lord by describing a beautiful inheritance. Look with me in verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, my you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Again, David turns his thoughts to the relationship he has with the Lord and what the Lord has done in in being his allotted portion. He assesses everything else that he knows in creation and the Lord is his allotted portion. And he says in in the Old Testament, he talks about, uh, the Lord talks about how he divides up the land to families, uh, a a land portion. Uh, This is what David means uh, when he's speaking in verse 6. The lines have fallen in pleasant places. He's describing what God has done in, in assigning land to families as they entered into the land of Canaan. And in that inheritance, even if you had to sell the land or, or you ran into financial hardship, you, every 50th year, the Lord had a law that said every 50th year you could buy back your family land. Why? Why? Because it was a sign of God's love and blessing. Because they didn't earn their inheritance. The apostle Peter takes that idea of inheritance and in the New Testament points it to an inheritance that's in the kingdom of God, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. An inheritance in which the Lord Jesus is king and reigns over all things. An inheritance that we don't deserve to share in, but by God's grace, because we belong to the Son of God, we too share in. Those who belong to the Lord will never truly be alone because He's established a home for those whom He loves. Let's look in verse three, or the third point. David continues to describe his confidence in the Lord by describing a complete connection that he has with the Lord. As he declares the covenantal relationship that he's been brought into, we see David continues to describe this kind of relationship with the Lord. He walks through these benefits and blessings, a relationship with a God who gives counsel and instruction in verse 7 who's near and present, so he protects David in verse 8. Joy and gladness in verse 9. And in all of these verses, David is pointing ahead to the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Holy One. God acts to be near his beloved people. You see, the apostle Peter picks up this, these verses in Acts 2, and he ties them to the picture of the first advent, the coming of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the complete connection to our heavenly Father, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It was Jesus who was faithfully holding fast to David in his needs as a refuge. And it's the Lord Jesus who comes near to the lonely, it's Jesus who comes in the incarnation, who meets with an unclean, untouchable leper and touches him. It's the Lord Jesus who meets with an adulterous woman who can't go to a well because at the cool of the day, because of the, 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 the conflict she has in the village, the reputation she's made. And so she has to go in the heat of the day and she's met there by Jesus. Jesus. And it's a rich tax collector named Zacchaeus who has seemingly everything you could possibly want on the outside, but was all alone. Jesus came to meet Zacchaeus. Jesus' purpose in coming into this world was to be near the lonely and the needy. He came to embrace their loneliness and even more to cover it to cover their sin, to cover their shame on the cross. Because Jesus in his first advent came to actually experience what David's seeking to avoid. Jesus came to experience Sheol, the grave. Matt Maher is a songwriter Uh, He's reflecting on loneliness, and he wrote this song. And I won't read you all the lyrics, but listen to what he writes about this feeling of loneliness and this relationship with God. He says, alone like the coming of the frost and a cold winter's chill in my stony heart. And where were you when all that I've hoped for, where were you when all that I've dreamed came crashing down in shambles around me? Alone, all my friends are asleep and I can't find anyone to stay awake with me. Where were you when sin stole my innocence? Where were you when I was ashamed, hiding in a life I wish I never made? You were on the cross. My God, my God. Alone, alone. You were on the cross You died for us alone, alone. You were on the cross victorious, alone, alone. You were there in all of my suffering. You were there in doubt and in fear. I'm waiting on the dawn to reappear. This is the one whom David sought as a refuge The Lord Jesus was all alone facing Sheol, facing death itself, so that those who belong to him would never be alone. The fullness of loneliness the Lord experiences for his people. But death was not the end. David knew even beyond Sheol. In his psalm, he writes, the Holy One would not see corruption the Lord Jesus was not abandoned to Sheol nor did his body see corruption, but he was raised from the dead and he was ascended into heaven, exalted at the right hand of God. Because Christ was raised, so too all who belong to him will be raised. Those who belong to the Lord will never truly be alone because God has given us himself fully and completely. David concludes Psalm 16 in verse 11. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As David's mind contemplates this beautiful relationship with the Lord, he knows because of God's character that the path of life comes from Him, that the presence of joy is actually the fullness of the Lord's face and that it leads to a relationship that will endure in delight forever. Paul David Tripp calls Christmas the mourner's holiday for those who feel lonely by the sting of death, who feel loneliness because of what sin and the brokenness of this world does, who feel loneliness because you want to hide yourself away out of fear. Remember Christmas is a day to remember God did not sit silently in our loneliness or in our desperation or in our sin and death. He came to dwell among us. He came to put an end to pain and sorrow. We endure because he endures. And while we can't fully imagine one day what his return, his second advent will look like, we get a window into it in the book of Revelation. Kids, little theologians, you were drawing something. Listen, the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street. Also, on the other side of the river, there was a tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, And his name will be on their foreheads. They belong to him. And night will be no more. They will will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. All the nations gathered together. All people through time and space together. Standing in the presence of the Lord. Completely healed. Restored. Because they belong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you impress on us this morning, this week, this season, your faithful love so that when we feel the pain of walking in a weary, lonely world, we would ultimately look to you as the one who holds us fast, the one to whom we belong, the one who loves us with a zeal that stepped into our darkness and embraced death for us. Help us to live out your love with so many that so many would know who you are as a refuge for weary hearts. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.